This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hello there, this is the From a Certain Point of View podcast, and it is episode 30, big 3-0. I, I turned 30 four years ago. <laughs> okay. I'm Josh. That's, <laughs> I'm Adam. That's a coincidence, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's not really. I just figured I'd throw it out there. Um, so yeah, 30 episodes, Adam. Man, did you think we'd get to 30? <laughs> you want me to be honest? Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. No, I don't think. I don't think we. I didn't think we would. <laughs> I didn't think we would either. We, we have some staying power though. Here we're we're, yeah. we're still going strong. Um, <laughs> you know, even after the ninth film in the Skywalker saga has come and gone, we're still here. And we even had so. an episode about Last Jedi, and we made it through that one. We did. Yeah, if we could make it through that, we could probably make <laughs> that it was through episode, anything. That was episode two. We got twenty eight episodes after that. That's pretty. Yeah. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So. What have you been up to this week when it comes to Star Wars? I watched Empire Strikes Back twice, both with audio commentary, two different audio commentary tracks. And uh, reading more of Alphabet Squadron, loving it still, and uh, going to finish that up this week for the book club. Very excited to finish that one up. And that's uh, honestly probably about it. Nice. How about nice. you? I, I watched Disney Gallery yesterday. Of course. I yeah, yeah. That, so, same here. So the Disney Gallery, which I'm very excited to talk about this one because I, yeah, I love all the technology, technology stuff. stuff. I, this was the episode I was waiting for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I checked that out, and then I this week finished a, a season one of Rebels, um, which I'm just loving more and more. Um, and you know, I, it's it's my second time through. The first time, you know, I watched it when it came out, but. Um, revisiting it now, and I'm thinking about maybe doing something on the blog about you know Rebels revisited, or you know, canon catch up for Rebels, or or, doing it season by season. So maybe be looking out for that. I think I might do that. So that's good because I uh, I caught up with my canon catch up stuff, and I don't have anything for this week. (laughs) Right, right, right. So we also, yeah. We also had a, a poll this week, and it was, a, yeah. it was a big one. Yeah, we got a lot um, of response on that. Yeah, we had a record high for us of 147 votes on this poll. So thank you if you participated in that, um, voted in that poll. The question was, in which Star Wars film did Mark Hamill give his best performance as Luke Skywalker? And when this poll started, I was like, oh boy, I think Last Jedi's got it. You I, know, was, it, it was... I didn't know. I didn't look until last night, and I was like... Right. I, I I was like, yeah. am I looking at this right? The Last Jedi was in the lead for a long time, and yeah, you know, that's that's it was for me. It, it was difficult to choose. Between it was hard. Last I actually Jedi took in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, I yeah. actually took probably two or three days to think this one over before I even yeah. responded. Yeah, it was a tough one. What did, what did you end up going with? 
I actually ended up going with Return of the Jedi, and I th- and this is my reasoning for it. It's it's always been my favorite Star Wars movie. I've always mm-hmm. loved seeing Luke as a Jedi, you know, acting yeah. like a Jedi, uh, doing all the Jedi stuff. Um, the Last Jedi, I, I I mean I can't fault his performance at all, and it's not like right. it's so it, it was I, a great I, performance, I think, but you just struggled yeah. with like the character decisions and stuff, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I I tried to even separate that from it, you know. I tried to mm-hmm. even just look at Mark's performance, period, and yeah. see where see where that took me. And I I think a lot of it has to do with Return of the Jedi just being my favorite Star Wars movie, and so mm-hmm. I just love him in that movie so much. I guess. Um, yeah. But and 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 you know my feelings about the Last Jedi, and mm-hmm. I was really debating on you know just hitting that button, just saying that's his best. But I, something about it just made me go with Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and, and I think it's just probably because my you know my feelings about the movie overall being that that being my favorite of the mm-hmm. of the Star Wars movies. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I was really close to picking. Um, Return of the Jedi for this one, yeah. But I, I still haven't revealed our results yet, so I guess uh, <clears throat> I'm building up this suspense here. Um, <laughs> but our final tally: The Empire Strikes Back came in at 29 percent of the vote. The Last Jedi, 28 percent of the vote. The Rise of Skywalker, zero percent of the vote. And the the winning um, answer was Return of the Jedi at 43 percent. So this poll took quite a turn. You know, yeah. Um, during during its three yeah. day run, it so, really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the people and have spoken. Last Jedi didn't even get second place. No, no. Yeah, Empire ended up edging it out. So, I was really yeah. surprised by that. Like at yeah, first, I was surprised that the Last Jedi didn't win, and then I was then I looked at it closer, and I'm like, geez, it didn't even get yeah. second. So yeah, so. And uh, the thing I was thinking about last night after I watched this, like, there's no wrong answers to that poll. No, no, it's you except, know, very ex- much ex- except opinion. Except I guess Rise of Skywalker because it goes. Yeah. I guess that would have been. I guess that would have been a wrong answer. <laughs> right. Um, right. And I, I, there's like I said, there's no wrong answer to that. I, I, I know that there's probably a lot of baggage with that question. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly. And you know, the Last Jedi is an a hands down amazing performance by Mark Hamill, and I can't fault anyone that picks that because I mean it's yeah, it, it's up there. Even not even just in Star Wars for him in his career overall, it's up there for him. Yeah, and we we talked about last week um, about how it was even more impressive that he didn't agree with the role he was given in in, right. this, in that film, and he still just gave an excellent performance um yeah. which is impressive most impressive um <laughs> and you know i think ryan johnson despite what you might think about the decisions he made i think one of his great abilities as a director is being able to pull out great performances yeah from the yeah. actors i mean yeah. i i think when i look at the last jedi i from the from the cast i see some of the best acting performances in that film and i think that's one of ryan's strengths is pulling out those performances so yeah Yeah. well i can see from chat you can add one more vote for tlj i'm not sure if that there we we go maybe maybe (laughs) might give it the tie with empire i don't know yeah i'm not sure i I, (laughs) but uh yeah so the rest of this week's we already talked about uh disney gallery we're gonna be talking about that that's second up first up though is news we have some 
Star Wars news to talk about. And then we're going to be looking back on The Empire Strikes Back that just celebrated its 40th anniversary on Thursday. So, yes, we have a very exciting show ahead. Yeah, and I want to say hi to everyone in chat. So far, we have Radio Rebellion, Peter Viox, Royal Rural Farm Boy. I've been doing so good at that one for the last like five weeks, and I stumbled on it today. <laughs> uh, and Pizza and Parsecs. So welcome, everyone. We're nice. glad to have you all here. And uh, you're ready to start episode 30. Yeah, let's get into our news segment for this week. Well... You want the bad news or the really bad news? Okay, so first up, we are talking more about Mark Hamill. And um, and, and we know that, that Mark Hamill had very strong opinions about the, you know, I guess, characterization of Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also had some opinions back in the, the original trilogy, trilogy days. Um, he was, you know talking on an EW live podcast and kind of re- revealed that he originally disagreed with George Lucas over the ending of the Star Wars trilogy. Um, and he, he is quoted as saying, I remember complaining to George about something in Return of the Jedi. And I said, it's, it's just so predictable and pat. And he, and he said, Mark, don't forget, these things were made for children. You know, his original intention was to make movies for, for kids. Um, and, and have that kind of, you know, happier ending and, and tie everything up. And um, Mark Hamill even at one point wanted Luke Skywalker to embrace the dark side in the end, which I thought was really interesting yeah. <laughs> because I, I would not have, you know, enjoyed that happening. No. no. What, are, what are your thoughts on Mark Hamill's opinions here? Um, it's interesting. I mean, he goes on to say in that quote, you know, uh, well, I think that's George saying he's paraphrasing George. He says, we're bringing our adult sensibilities to it and that's where we go wrong, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and then he also says he realized George was right. Uh, he's, uh, you know, going into it after it's, it's different because you have to go into it. We can't get our minds around that particular uh feeling from that time you know because we've all seen return of the jedi you know with mm-hmm. you and i grew up in a time period where that always existed you know right so uh we didn't grow up in a time where we had only seen four and five and never six and you know those are you know theories that could have been a lot that we could have been very strong at that point and i'm you know it seems like mark maybe bought into that uh mm-hmm. you know without seeing george's intention for all that yeah and you know mark talks about once he talked with george about it and george explained where he's coming from and what these movies actually are um it made more sense so yeah yeah that's a that's a good point though because you know we didn't live in a time where we didn't didn't know what was you know the return of the jedi always existed for us you know right. what i mean yeah um but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that you know he he thought about Luke turning to the to the dark side when you know he now you know is is very much adamant that Luke is this hopeful good character you know right, that th- right. w- wouldn't have any kind of darker elements I guess um, so right. I thought that was interesting but he ultimately just like he did with the Last Jedi came to the conclusion that okay this is the d- director's film and decision and I will you know support the 
the vision that they're they're going for so yeah right right yeah mm-hmm. um up next we have and and once again i forgot to mention our news is brought to you by far far away news and the next one is looking into the past of the empire strikes back and adam i don't know if you checked out this uh this video yet or not i think it was I up on the star yet, wars no. youtube page um it's kind of you know some behind the scenes footage from the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, again, you can check that out on YouTube, Star Wars page, um, and there there was a lot of good stuff in here, behind the scenes stuff, um, different interviews, and I think there was some stuff in there that I've never seen before. Um, okay. So it was it nice to just take that look back. I mean, this stuff could have been released in other documentaries or something that I I never saw, but mm-hmm. um, to to me it was pretty new new stuff um you know we we got some sound bites from george lucas um director irvin kershner and in the cast um as well so definitely worth checking out and just feeling a bit nostalgic about the empire strikes back during its 40th anniversary week so yeah i recommend yeah i didn't check that out but like i said i did listen to two different audio commentary tracks so i might have got some of that anyway yeah you might you may have you may very well may have um and our, our last piece of news news when it comes to the movies, um, you know, this is also Empire Strike Strikes Back focused. Um, there was another Galaxy of Adventures uh, short video released on the YouTube, uh, the Star Wars Kids channel, and it is the Battle of Hoth. Actually, I haven't seen that yet, but I might have to show Sydney this one. And if you have any kids at home trying to get them into Star Wars, um, the YouTube Star Wars Kids channel is a good place to get started with that. And we have a, a battle of Hoth short on there. So, yeah. Yep. Um, jumping to our TV news for this week, we have um, some really good news, some really positive news about both the Mandalorian and the clone wars um, and how they compare to other streaming shows like stranger things, for example. Um, so for a very long time, Stranger Things held the crown for being the most streamed digital show. Um, but according to a report from Parrot Analytics, Star Wars The Clone Wars has become the new champion, now holding the crown for being the most streamed digital show, pushing Stranger Things to the number three spot. And Adam, do you want to guess who has the no- which show has the number two spot right now? I'm going to guess since uh, we're just talking about Star Wars, it might be The Mandalorian. It is the Mandalorian. So <laughs> Star Wars currently holds the top two spots for streaming shows with the Clone Wars and the Mandalorian. So pretty, it's pretty, pretty awesome, right especially there. for Mandalorian, yeah. because, you know, Star Wars, uh, because uh, Star Wars, uh, Stranger Things has had like a four year head start on that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So kind of goes to show, you know, Star Wars fans will watch things over and over and over again, you know. And yeah, absolutely. I think the Mandalorian lends itself well to that. So, you know, for as me, Stranger I was watching... Things, I've watched it through twice. Yeah, and same here. A, I, I don't know that I would keep going back to binge it over and over again. You know, mm, but yeah. I could easily see myself going back for Mandalorian and watching it again, and just starting from from scratch and watching episode one, even as we get five years into this, I could see myself going back because I've done it with clone wars. I'm going to do it with rebels. So mm-hmm. Mandalorian will be yeah, the same. I, mean, I, 
I think I've I've watched The Mandalorian three times so far, and then last night after mm-hmm. watching that g- I, gallery Disney I gallery episode, started, yeah. I started up The Mandalorian episode one again. Yeah. I was like, oh man. Well, you know what? Um, I mean, Disney puts that uh, after you finish the episode. Disney puts up, you know, start start The Mandalorian yeah. now. And I'm like, well, yeah. maybe I will. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Um, our last news article is uh, kind of a spoil. I'm going to put up a spoiler warning here, and you know, I've been very careful when it comes to these rumors that have been out there to try to stay away from the rumors try to at least you know go with the more reputable sites but i also i don't know i feel like we're getting a little spoiled when it comes to the mandalorian season two with all these reveals that are coming out and it's really hard to avoid them um but i do want to put a spoiler warning out there if if anybody does not want to be spoiled um, about the mandalorian season two now would be the time to skip ahead a couple minutes um but there is, according to Slash Film, um, there is kind of this idea that Timothy Oliphant, or you know, however you say his name again, um, is going to be wearing Boba Fett's armor. And the claim is that he filmed scenes wearing Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor, and he is playing a character named Cobb Vanth, um, introduced in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath book series. And I wanted to mention this one because it was something that was talked about in the chat last week that that idea came up that this could be the character. I think um, followers of the force put that, that in the chat, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, of course, just like RFB is saying in the chat, we want to be careful yeah, until yeah. it comes from star Wars, um, yep. officially. So at this point, this is just a rumor. Um, but we could be seeing that character possibly show up in the Mandalorian season two. Yeah. I was excited by this. I, I yeah, remember I, back in when that episode first came out, that was the one character. So I, I don't know if we actually said it, but Cobb Vanth is the uh, possibility mm-hmm. here, which is a character from Chuck Wendig's Aftermath books. Uh, there's a few little mentions of him uh, where he shows up on, on some of these interludes that Chuck Wendig, Chuck Wendig uh, put in this book. And he's a, this sheriff, more or less a self, self-proclaimed uh, sheriff, I guess. Uh, on on Tatooine, and he he wears he wears uh, Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor that somehow ended up outside of the Sarlacc pit, and it's all kind of disfigured and scarred up, and you know it's it's not as clean as it once was. So I love uh, rural farm boy says sheriff of Freetown. That, that's correct. Uh, I love the idea of that being the character, just because it's not a character we've seen in live action and. It's yeah. uh, an interesting new character that we, that we could get to meet. So if that's true, I love that idea and I can't mm-hmm. wait for it. Yeah, I love it too. I think it, I think it's great. I think it's a great way to, to connect all the canon. I think that's yeah. what Star Wars fans yeah. have been asking for is, you know, when they're investing in all these canon materials for it to be connected and for it to mean something. And I, I think it would be a brilliant move to, to do this, you know, and, and I think it would just you'd have that connective tissue between, mm-hmm. you know, bringing in a, a character from a novel into live action. And it yeah. would make sense with the story as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think anytime you want to, you bring in a character from, from some other medium, it ha- it can't just be a cameo for the sake of a cameo. It has to, to make sense with the story um, mm-hmm. and, and have a purpose behind it, you know? I, uh, a couple of things I want to point out here, though. Uh, first of all, 
if we found out last year that if Lucasfilm wants to keep a secret, they can keep a secret. That's true. You know, so yeah. part of me has to wonder if all this stuff is coming out, what aren't they saying? Yeah, are they is some of this stuff coming out just to, to hype it up and get people excited? I mean, yeah, people so, are going to watch season two anyway, but yeah, and I'm sure yeah. we're going to get surprises, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the second thing that I wanted to say is one thing that I, I um, heard when I was listening to the audio commentary tracks for Empire Strikes Back this week, uh, where Mark Hamill was talking about how they actually put out some misinformation there, they intentionally put out some misinformation, uh, mm-hmm. mainly about the uh, the twists where Vader was Luke's father, and uh, they, right. you know they had some of those initial lines be that you know Obi Wan killed Luke's Luke's father, and then that started running in the press. That got actually you know stories in in, in England about uh, you know how. Um, obi-wan was the main bad bad guy actually there's that twist mm. uh so like throw people off throw and... <laughs> people off the trail yeah. and you know yeah that's possibilities here so mm-hmm. just because this yep. stuff is coming out doesn't always mean it's true like rfb in chat said you know wait till lucasfilm says what's what we wait until we see it wait on until screen. we see it see yeah, it yeah i mean so, so take everything with a grain of salt until we yep. see season two yeah, and I think it kind of reminds me too of Marvel's strategy when they were, you know, especially I'm thinking of Infinity War, um, when they had the Hulk in the in the trailer and he was kind of charging with all the other heroes and everything, but actually in the film he's in the the um, what's it called the Veronica suit or whatever Iron oh, Man suit. Yeah, yeah, um, right. Yeah. So it, they they kind of put things in there to to throw you off sometimes. So yeah. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for the news this week. You ready to talk about technology and Mandalorian? Yes, indeed. My disappointment in your performance cannot be overstated. Like I said before, this was the episode I have been waiting for of Disney Gallery. Uh, When we first got those uh, leaked episode titles... Technology was the one I wanted to see. You know, I had heard about the stagecraft, and then later we it was we learned it was they named it the volume. Um, this was what, what I was waiting for. This is right up my alley, and I loved this episode so much. Uh, Peter Viox in chat says he's going to turn up the volume for this, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, so this episode starts really with kind of the backstory of the volume uh, how it came to be uh it's john favreau by himself uh telling us some of these some of the evolutionary processes that he was part of filming the jungle book filming lion king uh filming some of these other things and he, he talks about how they had to build these sets for jungle book and how if they ever wanted to change the camera angle the problem was that they would have to change everything on set because the the parallax doesn't uh, meet up correctly and so they actually went and defined parallax in this episode which is you know as you change your perspective on something the position of the object appears to move so he talked about having to fix that in the jungle book uh, he talked about 
later with Lion King, they started using video game engines where they could take something and, and film it as, as the background is being processed in real time, um, which was very interesting that they show this scary looking lion <laughs> that John had a camera and he was moving around with the camera and he said, you know, that um on screen it didn't look quite right, but actually in the viewfinder it looked perfect. Uh, this uh, lion appeared to be in that world that they were creating in real time in a video game engine. Um so then, you know, around the table, they started talking about some of the other evolutions with uh, projection technology, starting all the way back with King Kong. Uh, I never knew. Yeah, um, no, me neither. And then Stanley Kubrick's 2001 uh, movies, they used some front projection technology in that as well. Um, I, I liked that they mentioned that they worked with uh, someone and I forget I forget their name uh, but they started with ILM and then they actually went over to work with uh, Epic Games who created mm -hmm. uh, the Unreal Engine which is a very widely used engine in video games um, and then speaking you of, all speaking probably of that. know him know Epic from Fortnite which is what they're most recently known for uh, but they've actually got their name in, in video games from unreal, which is what they, mm -hmm. some of the stuff that they used here. You were going to say, yeah, something. I mean, I was just going to say, speaking of unreal engine, I don't know if anybody out there has checked out the, the demo that they had on YouTube um, running on a PS five. Yeah. Looks incredible. So they're obviously yeah, and you know, you know, Unreal is one of those things that gets used a lot, and not just for video games. And I've seen people reimagine things like, uh, um, most recently, I remember Legends of Zelda: The Breath of the Wild, the game for the Switch, got reimagined in Unreal, and mm -hmm. you know, it does all these different particle effects, and it just looks real <laughs> unreal no real, real. It, yeah uh, it's unreal how real it looks <laughs> yes um, yes there you go so they, you know that was one of the main parts of this volume was this video game uh rendering technology and you know um they talked about how in video games you're actually you're rendering this stuff in real time and you know, like as you turn your head in game it has to be you know within milliseconds of actually you know seeing that on screen and and doing that with your hands to control uh, you know what you're doing uh so that was one of the main things that that they started with here um i always love the the evolutionary process of technology and you know i think technology best works when it's solving a problem that, that people mm -hmm. have and that was very apparent in what they were talking about here is that they had specific problems that they needed to solve. And the volume was the solution, the culmination of this. And it started off not even being what they were envisioning here. It started off with just, you know, interactive real-time lighting, uh, which is something that, again, in video games, we're starting to see with uh, uh, the PS5 and the Xbox mm -hmm. Series X will be doing this. Uh, RTX chips are doing this stuff with, uh, you know, more realistic approaches to how light works mm -hmm. uh, in a game and now on film. Um, yeah, and I mean, lighting is really everything. You know, it is. You, think it, about it, it, it's, you know, yeah. when you, you know, I do some drawing and I've taken some art classes and things like that. Uh, lighting and shading is one of those 
so it was so very important aspects of that you know it's mm-hmm. something that the human eye picks up on you know yeah um how light hits an object and how mm-hmm. that my phone's going off how light hits an object and how that um creates shadows and lighting and highlights and shading and things of that nature and that's something you just don't simulate well. It's one of the things that they thought they talked about, you know, when you're putting mm-hmm. in shadows in post-production, which you can do. And, you know, I, I noticed some of that stuff as I was watching Empire the other day, how, you know, shadows were put on to asteroids and stuff. Yeah. And it just doesn't look quite right. You notice these right. things. And that was one of the problems that they wanted to solve uh, with with the volume. Uh they started breaking this down into some things like advantages. And so the advantages mm-hmm. they put, like we've been talking about, are not having to edit out reflections from green screens, which is something I honestly never thought about. You know, as you're filming these things, you know, especially yeah. about the prequels, you have all the green around you. And that does create reflections, especially on reflective mm-hmm. surfaces. So you'd have to edit that out so you don't get the, a green reflection when you're supposed to be looking at a bright white light, you know. Um, yeah, I thought it was fascinating that they're they're now in, embracing re- reflective surfaces, yeah. like the Mandalorian's armor, and and how it it kind of when you have those screens in the volume, it doesn't reflect green screen; it reflects really the the surroundings, and and you know, and I thought that was just awesome. Yeah, uh, uh, and and going off of that, another advantage that they specifically mentioned that we talked about a little bit is natural light, and then real time adjustments to that. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I think back to the explosion scene in the final episode, you know, where they put that explosion on, on the volume and then the, the, that light reflection happens real time. You know, they don't have to put that stuff in later. Uh, right. it just looks natural, you know, mm-hmm. it, it deceives the human eye, which is another thing that I think Taika Waititi mentioned, uh, you know, it, that you're, when you're seeing this stuff and then when you're seeing it on film, it deceives you, you, yeah. It looks natural. It looks real, you know. Um, and then Dave Filoni started talking about, you know, well, actually, Kathleen Kennedy started with this, where she said there's you can you can instantly or near instantly within a day or two fix things that you need maybe maybe need to go back in and adjust. Uh, you don't have to rebuild sets. You don't have to relocate things. You can just you can see almost immediately, um, where you need to fix something. Yeah, and then just go fix it. Yeah, and I think that has to be incredibly efficient, you know, because then you're in a situation where you probably don't have to go back later and do reshoots and you don't have to do a, as much in post-production. You know, you can just yeah. kind of do it, load it up and, and do it the next day or something, yeah. you know. And then Dave Filoni mentioned you easily changing sets if you do need to do a reshoot or something like that. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. have to, like I said before, you don't have to go back and rebuild things. He said it just takes like a half an hour to reload everything up and to get it ready to go, and then you're just you're ready to reshoot, you know? Right. Um, the next thing they got into was immersion, and this was this was very interesting to me to see how the actors responded to all this. Yeah. Giancarlo Esposito was the first one to talk about this, and he just you can tell he just loved working with this. Yeah, and the it's way something he that I never really thought of. Excited, like yeah, you know, the, was... it's something I never really thought about that he's seeing what he needs to interact with, you know. So mm-hmm. for him as an actor, he doesn't have to pretend. He doesn't have to think. This is what I'm looking at. He's seeing it, and that emotional response 
is built in, you know? Um, like yeah, I said before, like a, he doesn't have to... natural response. Yeah, know? he doesn't have to think about mm -hmm. that and create it within himself. He just sees mm -hmm. it, you know? Carl Weathers also talked about that a little bit, and specifically in that scene in episode eight where there's going down the lava river, you know, he's seeing all this lava around him. It feels real. He's feeling himself, even though he's not moving, with the way the volume works where it's moving around him, it mm -hmm. feels like he's moving. And, yeah. you know, it, it makes me think about going to the parks and riding something like Star Tours where you're seeing this yep. stuff happen around you and, it, you know, you're in that um, motion simulator and it feels like you're moving and you have that, you have that response to what you're seeing around you. And, you know, he's talking about how the, the, the light the tunnel gets bigger. He's just getting towards it, but then he looks behind him and it's also getting smaller where he came mm -hmm. from. Like it should, you know? Yeah. Um, I like that Gina Carano actually got worried about being motion sick because you know, right. it actually felt real, you know. I, I think I'm, I might have that issue too because yeah. sometimes I get a little motion <laughs> sick on some of those rides. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Peter mentioned something else Carl said about how four different actors uh, don't have four different interpretations. They work together as a team, you know, where – you know, yeah. each different actor might be imagining something different if you're working with a green screen or a blue screen. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> everyone's seeing the same thing. They're all on the same page. Yeah, I, I think there were a couple, you know, whether it was the, the cast or you know, the directors, a couple people, I think, mentioned just how liberating it was. You know, you would yeah, think it would yeah. be more confining, but it was actually more liberating. And I can't imagine how much it helped the actors with their performances when they were didn't have to imagine you know, while looking at a green screen that they could actually see their, their surroundings. Yeah. The last section here was a section that just kind of gave you the chills, I guess. Uh, but this was called George's garage and, yeah. uh, Bryce Dallas Howard talks about how, you know, she heard George speak one day about, how, you know, one day we're going to be able to make this stuff in our garage, you know, the, with the advances in technology and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, once again, thinking back to the legacy episode, I love how George is just so much a part of this. Mm -hmm. Me too. You know, even he's not there directing or producing. He, you know, they show him on set again. Uh, they sh talk about how much of an impact his work and has had. Um, Kathleen Kennedy talks about this is what George wanted to build but wasn't able to at the time, and they mention how he was again ten years ahead of his time with the technology he yeah. wanted to work with. Uh, just you know, this is kind of uh, going back to like the idea of legacy. Um, you know, George left his imprint on this ten years ago, and these are things that you know John Favreau and Kathleen Kennedy are picking up on and and taking to the next step. You know, yeah, I loved hearing Bryce Dallas Howard talking about this about George's garage, and it definitely just gave me kind of chills and everything, and then definitely some definite big feels about this whole thing and how it's kind of connected to George in a way. And, um, you know, it, it being kind of what he envisioned and, and his brain was always ahead of the technology at the time. Yeah. yeah um, and George was saying, you know, how he, you know, the advantages of green screen is that they could just put up the screens and then put any type mm -hmm. of background they want to, they could do that later. And he said, now you can do it on set, which is, you even can do better. it. On, yeah. Which is even better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, seeing those star fields light up, and you know just actually looking in a star field and then there's yeah. one scene where john was standing in he was going into hyperspace and it was like 
I want to, uh-huh. I want to do that. I want to be there. Yeah. I want to step into the volume and go into hyperspace. That just looks so cool, you know? Right. Um, but this was an amazing episode for me and it was, I'm, I, I was waiting for this. It didn't disappoint. I was, I watched it twice now and I'm going to watch it again. Um, when I first heard about stagecraft, I was blown away by it and seeing it in action and seeing it working and seeing it with all this, the, the set pieces around it and how seeing actually how the parallax works. Um, I can't wait to watch that episode again. And now I can't wait to go back and watch the Mandalorian again to try to pick this stuff out, you know, even yes, if, if it, that's what I wanted. It made me want to instantly go back and watch and, and see if I could even notice yeah. or, or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. But I love this episode. I, the other thing I was amazed by is how it just creates, and we talked about the lighting, but um, that episode five that they mentioned with, um, you know, the gunslinger and Toro Calican and all that stuff and how they're sitting there in this uh, dawn. I think it's dawn um, mm-hmm. time of day uh, where they're actually creating like these silhouettes because of the lighting that comes off the volume, it, this realistic setting. I mean, it looks beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I guess my final question about all this is, you know, we talked about there's so many advantages to this technology and, yeah. and so many things. Do you think there are any disadvantages to this technology at all? Um, you know, I was thinking about that. And I remember yeah. we talked about this a little bit uh, during the Skywalker Saga documentary, the Skywalker mm-hmm. Legacy documentary, uh, about how... Um, John Boyega and I think someone else mentioned how you know going to I forget where they went for for the desert scenes um, yeah I think it was a few... Jordan maybe yeah or... Jordan Jordan's right mm-hmm. um, about how actually being there you know feels different yeah and I think that that still holds true um, mm-hmm. the one disadvantage definitely you have is you know wide shots it, uh, you know it, it, I was thinking right. about that I don't know how you would I'm sure there's ways to replicate it because mm-hmm. you know I think back to the speeder bike scene you know where they did replicate some of that stuff yeah I think it might be a little more challenging uh, but I'm sure that there's ways to fix that as well mm-hmm. but then you I, know, mean, I, I think for TV I think for TV it's perfect you yeah know what I mean yeah I would like to see it used in film one day to see how that. Yeah, I'm over. sure it could be. I mean, maybe they'll, you know, sh- still shoot on locate or on location somewhat, but also use the volume when they're on on a smaller set or something. You know. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I was thinking about that about how actually being on location might feel different. But then you hear Giancarlo Esposito and Carl Weathers, you know, these mm-hmm. actors that have done these things and been on location talk about how working with this thing was so liberating and how it felt how you know how they could have those natural interactions with things and it's like maybe maybe this does work that way you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean for me i I think the advantages far vastly outweigh any disadvantages I, i think it's excellent um for me there's just this one thing and i while i was watching the mandalorian i couldn't pinpoint what exactly it was but i felt like some of it not all of it just certain scenes i felt like it was somewhat contained mm-hmm. and small um i felt yeah, like just I, I know what you mean it felt a little yeah. small or a little too contained and 
now I understand probably why that is. And, and that would be the only, the only downside for, for me, you know? And yeah, um, I understand what you mean by that. Um, yeah. But other than that, I think it's, and this is also the first iteration great. of this technology ever, you know, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be more iterations of this. There's going to be advances in the technology and, you know, I think maybe eventually we might not have those same feelings. Right. You know, as this yeah. continues to get used and perfected and, and changed by other by other people that use it and other people that bring their ideas into it. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think one final thing I want to say about this is, you know, that I think they're doing this the right way. Um, you know, George Lucas was always about advancing the technology. And, and and using what he could to create things, to do things in a new way and to innovate. And I think that they're doing that with the Mandalorian. And I think that's very important to John Favreau. And I think he kind of models himself a little bit after George Lucas. And um, I think, you know, earlier in the chat here, Radio Rebellion mentioned that Favreau and Lucas are so similar when it comes to talking about technology. And I just, I love that. And I, I think, um, you know, that they're, the the roots of what they're doing i think come from george so yeah i really yeah. love that yeah yeah all right so now we are ready to celebrate the 40th anniversary of my favorite movie of all time luke you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view So the Empire Strikes Back just celebrated its 40th anniversary on May 21st. It was released in 1980, and it was made on a budget of $18 million, which doesn't seem like a lot nowadays when it comes to film budgets. And it's made a total of $547 million at the box office. Um, it's often considered the best Star Wars, one of the, or the best Star Wars film and one of the greatest films ever made. Um, it's the highest rated Star Wars film on Rotten Tomatoes with a critic score of 94% and an audience score of 97%. Um, and as I mentioned, Adam, not only is this my favorite Star Wars film, but it's also my favorite film of all time. So what do you think it is that makes this movie such a beloved film for so many people? Um, there's a lot of things. Uh but one of the, I, I think I want to mention right here that it didn't start out that way. Right. You know, uh, some of the reception initially was really mixed and I think it grew mm-hmm. over time. Um, for me, what made it beloved was uh, Yoda, all the scenes with Yoda, um, the wisdom and the uh, mythology and the mysticism that comes with learning more about the force and expanding the, the knowledge of that. Um, I, so I, th- I think for me that's probably the main thing that makes it yeah uh, so beloved to me definitely yeah um for me i think the reason i love empire so much is <clears throat> because i i think it contains all the elements that you want in a movie um yeah. and, and all the elements that potentially you know in my opinion make a perfect movie which I feel this is, um, and you know, it has your your comedy. It has action. It has a great love story. It has you know the the challenges of a middle chapter of a trilogy, um, 
it, it has this big twist at the end. You know, that yeah. was the biggest twist probably in cinema history. Um, yeah, one of probably the most quoted line in cinema history. Uh, yeah. Also. Um, so I, I think it just has all those elements that make a very rare, perfect film. Um, of I love all of Star Wars, but there's in every Star Wars movie there's something that I would probably change about it or take out or put in or whatever. But Empire Strikes Back, there's nothing that I don't like about it. You know, there, there's nothing that I would be like, oh, I could do without that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's why it's it's my favorite. And, you know, that is that is my my thoughts on the Empire Strikes Back. But thinking about this film, what are some of your favorite moments from it specifically? Oh, man. Um, I, I just name them off, I guess. Uh, <laughs> scruffy looking, looking nerf her- herder. I can't even say mm-hmm. it. La- uh, laughing up fuzzball. I mean, just all these quotes, you can just go yeah. on forever. Uh, do or do not. There is no try. Um, I love you. I know. I mean, I, <laughs> there's yeah. so, you know, there's so many and then not even to mention, I am your father and all that stuff. Right. Uh, there's just so many memorable moments, and mm-hmm. I don't even know where to start. Like I said, you just have to kind of go through the movie and just name them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like you said, when I think of The Empire Strikes Back, I what comes into my my mind first is Yoda training Luke. And like you said, I think it just deepens the mythology of, of Star Wars and the Force. Um I feel like it just takes the series to another level. And a lot of times that's why I I love sometimes the middle chapter of a trilogy more than any other film in the, in some trilogies like for example um you know thinking about like the two towers I absolutely love the two towers yeah, um yeah. thinking about um trying to think about another one that just kind of takes it just takes the series to a new heights and to a new level. And I think the empire strikes back does that. Um, For me, and I'm blanking on the name, the middle chapter of the hunger games, uh, catching fire, catching fire is one. Yeah. It's my favorite. Um, In the dark Knight, even in in the, in the Batman trilogy. Um, I I think certain middle chapters can really take it to new heights, really challenge the characters and um, you know, in certain ways, but right. Um, you know, I, I love I love the the whole Bespin scene. Um, I love Cloud City and all that. I, lo- I love even John Williams' score because it's different from kind of other elements of the Star Wars score um, when they get to Bespin. And um, of course, the confrontation between Luke and Vader stands out. So yeah, um, yeah there are so many great moments. Yeah, Radio Rebellion in chat puts uh, his f- favorite moments it says, uh, so many, but to narrow it down has to be everything on Dagobah and learning yeah. so much about the Force the light and dark sides uh, and then to mm-hmm. um, piggyback on that, Peter uh, says luminous beings are we, not this crude matter, Yoda teaching Luke on Dagobah teaching us all. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean yeah, that's always what stands out for me is all the stuff with Yoda um, and what he can teach, what he teaches Luke, what he teaches us, <clears throat> you know, even as, as, as fans and deepening that mythology. Um, so what would you say 
has been the overall or cultural impact of the empire strikes back well like we mentioned before you know it's one of those movies that in pop culture has just been quoted and um referenced so many different times misquoted a lot of times <laughs> mm-hmm. um probably one of the most misquoted lines with luke i am your father luke ever. i am your father which um, yeah which he, he didn't actually say yeah yeah like in that uh, way yeah yeah right um mm-hmm. so i have to just go with that you know just being the pop culture icon that it is you know yeah yeah it's referenced so many times you're right i was even thinking about um you know, I think it was Civil War where Tom Holland, uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, he's like, so did you ever see that old movie, The Empire Strikes oh, yeah, Back? Yeah. And he was kind of like reenacting the, <laughs> the the Walker scene where they had to, yeah. you know, yeah. use the tow cables and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's referenced so many times. I, I think that, you know, like you said at first, maybe it had some mixed reactions. I was, I don't think The Last Jedi is going to age as well as, empire did but i, I was, always I wondered was wondering if, I, yeah i was thinking about that too for, I don't, for, I don't for know. the sequel trilogy will it you know will what you know later I think on will any people look movie at it differently? As, as, once you give it some separation in time i, I think it's going to grow a little bit yeah i, I don't know if it's going to grow to the degree that empire has grown right um, probably not but but I, um, I do think it'll it'll be more widely accepted in 10 years than it is now and a lot of that is because you know as people who have grown up with these movies and i'm going to mention this mm-hmm. a little bit later uh, but as people ha- have grown up with this movie you're going to hear more and we're seeing that now with the prequels you know uh where where that was the um the movies that brought them into star wars and mm-hmm you know, got them to love this franchise, they're going to start mentioning how much they love those movies. And I think in, you know, that amount of time, we're going to see the same with the last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. For just for a different generation, you know? And, and I think about the personal impact empire had on me and, um, it changed my life. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, I think a new hope got everything started. It set the table for the universe, but the empire strikes back just again, like I said, took it to a whole nother level. Um, I think for me, it, it, it just gave me the awe and wonder that the film can produce. Um, and, and it just, you know, it, it I, because of this film, I fell in love with movies in general and with star Wars. Um, so yeah, and I think it's had such a huge overall and cultural impact. I think like Mark Hamill says in the, uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff that's on YouTube that we talked about in the news segment, Mark Hamill talked about how it's when he was referencing the Empire Strikes Back. He said, "Well, it's kind of I'm paraphrasing here, but it's, it, all, it all comes down to this movie. You know, if this movie is delivers, then yeah. you know, yeah, you know, it's and I, I think that's really true. Yeah. Um, and it did. So, and Megan in chat says that after she thought about it, she has to go with do or do not. There is no try. Uh, she put that on her college graduation mm-hmm. cap a few years back. It's cool. Yeah, it's probably my favorite quote of all mm-hmm. time." Yeah. So I'm with you there, Megan. And my next question is, has this film stood the test of time? And if so, how do you think it has? It has. It definitely has. And I think a lot of that 
it's interesting. I, I think some of that has to do with the fact that it's been revisited in an editing process for a while, and mm-hmm. some of those uh, updates that they can make have been made, so it doesn't maybe feel like it is a 1980 movie anymore, you know? Uh, right. So I think that helps, you know, mm-hmm. as we advance in technology and we've talked about things like the volume, uh, some of the uh, technology that we used in decades past is more apparent. And I think that having the ability to go back and, and update that has helped. The other thing that has helped is uh, one of the uh, one of the points that I pulled out of listening to some of the audio commentary. Uh, I think it was Irving Kirshner mentioned this and I love how George always calls him Kirsch in, Kirsch. <laughs> in those tracks. You know. um, yeah. But uh, Kirsch mentioned how, especially on, on Bespin, the costuming that they use isn't this like spacey, silver, metallic you know, costume. It's very simple. It's stuff that yeah. we would see normally. And mm-hmm. so, you know, imagining the sci-fi world in kind of real world, uh, timeless uh, time uh, in a real world, timeless way it has helped it age like it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I think it absolutely has stood the test of time. I'm going to make a bold statement. I'm going to say to me, the empire strikes back looks even better as a film than like let's say Attack of the Clones does. I, I think Attack yeah, I don't of the think Clones. That's so bold. Yeah. I think Attack of the Clones feels more dated um than the Empire Strikes Back is than than the Empire Strikes Back does. And I, I think that comes down for me to practical shooting. You know, using using practical things and um shooting on location, all all those types of film techniques that were used. Um because the technology wasn't perfected yet when like George created the prequels again, his mind was kind of ahead yeah. of where the technology was. So yeah. it's going to look a little outdated now um, because of that sometimes use of overuse of CGI. So, you know, I, I think empire has stood the test of time because of that in a big way. Yeah. Um, but also uh, just because it has these universal themes and, you know, the, the hero's journey and all that, you know, mythology and everything that stands the test of time as well. Yeah. Uh, followers of the Force and 2Med2 both put something along those lines in chat. Uh, David uh, said the fact that you can continue to learn from this film and Star Wars as a whole is what makes it great. And then 2Med2 mm-hmm. uh, says uh, he watched the movie three times the other night uh, after uh, the uh, Beyond the Blast Doors live chat. And then he even learned new things, came to new real- realizations after watching it. Right. Absolutely. And. I'm looking forward to watching it again tonight, and you know I'm, yeah, I'm sure Adam mentioned this yet. Yeah, I wanted to mention that we are going to have a Empire Strikes Back watch party tonight at 9 yeah. p.m. Eastern time. Um, that Adam's going to give you some more information on in a, in a little bit. Um, so my my next question is: Do you think any future Star Wars film can live up to the bar that was set by the Empire Strikes Back, and why or why not? Uh, so for me, uh, this is a weird question because it's not actually my favorite Star Wars movie. Right, I usually put it say, number two. Let's say Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. Okay, because okay. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, for me personally, yeah. Th- yeah, that's already happened. So that's, uh, but I think I still think yes, and I go back to the what I said before. You know, is as we enter new 
time periods with Star Wars movies and new uh, eras and new uh, trilogies and things like that, uh, you know, we're going to start hearing more from people that grew up with these movies down the road and how Mm -hmm. those movies live up to what the bar that we set and for them it might surpass it and that's great that's what get, that's what brings new people into this that's you know we're not stuck in um you know something that happened 40 years ago even though that's kind of our heritage here you know we we mm-hmm. we learn new things we bring new things into the story uh you know and for those people those movies resonate more and it it surpasses that bar for them and we're going to start hearing yep. more and more about that like i said that we're hearing now with with the prequels where how that's prequels, some right. people's mm-hmm. favorite trilogy and how the phantom menace is some people's favorite movie and mm-hmm. uh you know we're going to be seeing that more and more as as we go along so um and then as far as like critically i always have to take that with a grain of salt you know sure uh because just because you know, even some of those standards change over time and mm-hmm. they change with reviewers and some of that's so subjective, you know, um, I think a lot of it can sometimes, unfortunately, even be very like political. And, yeah, you know, if, yeah, if, if a sure. film, if a fi- sometimes if a film has a social agenda, it might be more well received by critics. That's just my perception. Um, and certainly I could be wrong about that, but, you know, yeah. So what do you think? Do you think it'll uh, any anything will ever live up to the bar, or at least maybe you've you set... make a really good point about a different generation of film fans, you know, feeling that way. I guess what I'm thinking about is, do you think for you, <clears throat> any any film yeah. could surpass those two? Yeah, you know, and I was thinking also about myself, you know, right. For me, I think it's going to be really hard for for any film to. To live up i think so far there's been a couple that have come close you know for me yeah, like right like rogue one force awakens last jedi the, 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 I, those I are kept all thinking close. about force awakens yeah, but, and like mm-hmm. i know that it, it gets kind of knocked down because it's a little bit of a copy of uh, new hope right. which i understand mm-hmm. um but man i haven't had a star wars feeling like that in a long time and i haven't had one yeah. since so yeah yeah so yeah we'll see i'm 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 looking forward to a film that might one day challenge empire or return of the Jedi for me. So we'll, we'll see. Um, and Adam, did you have any other thoughts or anything else you want to say about the empire strikes back? Um, you know, you already mentioned that, you know, this is kind of the stepping stone. It all hinged uh, the, the entire saga in a way hinged on mm-hmm. this movie, you know, and if it didn't do well, that would have been the end at that point. Yeah. Um, it's more important just than being just you know just a good movie. It's it, it's it's what kept this going. It's what gave us a six uh, an episode six and then later a new trilogy and then books and everything else. So everything that I consume now really probably hinges on this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, uh, I'm very grateful to to George Lucas and everybody that created this film and. I'm just thankful to have this film in my life because it really did change my life. And a lot of things that I do today, probably sitting here and having this conversation with you is because of that movie um, and, you know, my love for film in general. So, yeah, just looking back and reflecting um, about The Empire Strikes Back is celebrating it, too, on its 40th anniversary. Indeed. You ready to wrap up episode 30? 
Yeah, let's do it. I'm just glad you're here. At the end. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, listening to us live, watching us live on YouTube. We really appreciate everybody that's been in the chat. Uh, I, I mentioned some of them off the top, uh, but later on, uh, followers uh, followers of the Force joined us. Two Med Two joined us. Megan Richard, Megan Rickards joined us. Uh, thanks everyone for joining in. I'm pretty sure I got everybody in chat this week. So, uh, but thanks for tuning in. If you didn't tune in this week. Uh, remember, we do this live every week, uh, every Saturday on YouTube. So you can always follow or subscribe to the channel there and get notifications when we go live. Uh, subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher if you're maybe just you know watching live or listening to the show. Uh, we are on most major podcatchers, and if you happen to listen on one like iTunes that lets you leave a review, uh, please do that. You know that helps us a lot and getting out to more people so that more people learn about what we're doing here. Uh, check out the website from a certain point of view.com. We've had a few blog articles this week. Uh, one of those uh, that I'll mention right now is uh, some a heads up on how we're doing a watch party tonight for empire strikes back. Uh, that's going to happen at 9 PM Eastern time. What you'll need for that is a couple things. Uh, we are, you'll need a, uh, an active Disney Plus subscription. That's the only thing you'll have to pay for here. Uh, that's how we can kind of legally do this. Uh, so you'll need a, a Disney Plus subscription, a and then the rest of it's free. You'll just have to uh, get a Chrome extension called D Plus Party. Uh, install that. Uh, when it's time, you just click a link, uh, turn on that extension, and it'll sync up your empire strikes back watching with where everyone else is at and then on the right hand side there'll be a little chat window where you can chat with everyone live uh so josh and i have tested this once we hope yeah, it works tonight yeah. that was pretty neat when we <laughs> tested it out it was, it was pretty simple i mean it just takes a couple yeah. minutes to set up and then once you get in there it's cool how it syncs everybody up and we, you got yeah. the chat on the right side and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so on the blog, there's a, there's an article about how you can get that ready, and I'll be tweeting that out a few more times today, just so everyone can see it. Uh, that'll be at 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight, so we hope you guys can join in, and we hope you enjoy it. It should be pretty fun. Uh, socials, make sure you're following us on Twitter. Like I said, where I'll be tweeting that stuff out for the live show, uh, for the live watch party. Uh, that is certain POV pod. Facebook is from a certain point of view. The Discord server link is in the show notes and it's on the website. Uh, like I said, we are about to finish up uh, Alphabet Squadron in our book club, which takes place in Discord, uh, which means we'll be starting up another book here soon. I think we're going to, for a full book, I think we're actually going to wait until Shadowfall, the second entry in uh, Alphabet Squadron, comes out. Uh, but in between, I think we're going to read maybe a comic selection, maybe a couple of those. Uh, so, if you'd like to join in, just hop in the Discord server. Uh, our email is certainpovpod at gmail.com. And we are on Anchor. That's where we uh, have our show hosted. Uh, you can send us a 60-second voicemail there uh, if you have a question for us, if you want to get your opinion on something that we said this week or any week. Uh, sending a voicemail is a great way to do that. And finally, uh, Josh. 
where else are you on the internet? Where can the good people find you? You can find me at Jedi Jar Jar one seven two two on Twitter and occasionally writing articles for Star Wars Newsnet. Excellent. I'm on Twitter at the Gauze eighty five. Uh, I am I write articles for Far Far Away News, and there'll be a new one coming out this week, I believe. So uh, make sure you follow Far 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 Away News and follow me at the Gauze eighty five and. That's where I do most of my stuff nowadays is Twitter. Right. Outstanding. And thank you everyone again for joining us today, whether you, whether you were joining us live or listening later, we really appreciate your support and, you know, we, we wouldn't be here doing this without you guys. So thank you once again, I hope to see you and chat with you in the uh, empire strikes back watch party later this evening. And until we meet again, remember that everything we told you today was true from a certain point of view.